We are in a new series this January. I, you know, I had a really, really great time uh, with our Tis, Tis the Season series, and so many things that Pastor Tim in his amazing message last week preached to us, we're going to be able to carry over, I think, into this message. I think they connect really well, but we are starting a new series called Broken and Beautiful, a series on humanity. And this week, we're starting in the beginning, and there's a word that I'm going to use here. It's like a very emotional pointed word. It's naked. Like, oh, we're at church. He just said naked. Naked is a word that has some pretty emotional overtones. And naked to some of us means unprotected, right? We're, we have clothes to protect us from the frigid Pittsburgh cold and to keep us covered and all that good stuff. Naked has a lot of like, oh, man, I, I'm, I'm naked and afraid. That's a TV show, right? What, what they drop off some celebrity dude who's a survivalist in the middle of nowhere, naked and afraid. I don't know, something like that. I just got cable for the first time in 11 years, so I haven't caught up yet. <laughs> and so naked is, is a very emotional word. Naked can also have some good overtones connected to it, but I'm going to keep this message PG-13 and not really get into that. Because today we're talking about being naked and unashamed. Naked and unashamed. And I didn't mean as a sermon illustration that I just came out here with nothing on, because that would be inappropriate as well. But we're talking about being going back to the beginning of everything in an Old Testament book called Genesis, the beginning of your Bible. And it's a great way to start our series. Because this series is all about humanity. It's all about you and me and the, the very nature of who we are, that we are people who are both broken in some ways, but we're also beautiful in other ways. We are broken, right? We choose, we cho make bad decisions. We, we choose sin. We choose to hurt others. We, cho we, we, we choose all sorts of very broken things that aren't good for us, things that, that God says, hey, don't do this. We're like, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. We're beautiful, too. I can't look at the world around me without seeing people making sacrificial decisions for someone else. And people who are willing to, to give and to help. Mr. Rogers, hometown hero, right? Look for the helpers. If you look for the helpers, you're going to see them. There are people, and there's beauty in who we are. And this series is going to touch on, the idea, on three big ideas, which is one, why are we like this? Why are we as people simultaneously so broken in some ways and yet so beautiful in others? We're going to look at the idea of, hey, was it always like this? Has it always been like this? And by the way, if it's always been like this, will it always be like this forever? These are big questions, and we're going to hit them this month. And so in discussing this theology of humanity, I want to begin in the beginning. That makes sense, right? It's sort of a logical flow there. And so we're going to read two larger passages of Genesis. I do kind of jump around a little bit, but they'll be, if you have the message notes open at elementlife.com, you can see them there, or they'll be up on the screen for you. And so this is in Genesis chapter 2, and it says, Hey, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. 
it jumps, we're going to jump a bit. And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother, and he's united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. A couple of big takeaways here before we jump to the next part. It's kind of a foundation of this whole series. I want you to get that all of this, God made it all. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence that existence exists. But God claims ownership over it and says, this is mine. I did it. And conversely, you made nothing. All of the existence, all of creation, you don't get to take credit for it because it's God's. We also note that in Genesis, God differentiates us people from the animals. Not that animals are bad or, or anything like that, but somehow, for some reason, God leans over and does something he didn't do for any of the animals. God, God says, hey, there's going to be animals in here. Look, there's animals. But for man, he breathed the breath of life into us. One of the, the words I, that's used for this theology-wise is that God ensouled humans. He made us different and significant. Another big takeaway, we're made for community. And so it talks about how it wasn't good that the man was alone. So God made a helper, another person suitable for him. And we see throughout Scripture that this isn't always that, you know, everyone has to be married. In fact, in the New Testament, celibacy is celebrated. But we do see that community for humans is important. Community is significant. We're not meant to be off by ourselves, isolated, lonely, but we're meant to be in a community. Hey, a church, kind of like that, right? And the, this community is significant for us spiritually. And lastly, from this passage, we see that naked was unashamed before we were broken. And so Genesis continues in the next chapter. A little bit of a summary here before, before they, we, we eat the fruit, whatever that is, is there's a, a serpent in the garden, and the serpent convinces Eve to eat the fruit that God said not to eat. And it says that when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And some big takeaways here before we get into the meat of the message to kind of give background. One of our big takeaways here is what we think as humans is a good idea. And it's something that God has said no to 
It isn't. We think it's a good idea. God says don't do it. It's actually not a good idea. Boy, we get this mixed up all the time. Still do it. We're still broken in the same way. And also, within, after we do it and we realize that this was stupid, we've made a mistake, then we try to fix it ourselves. So uh, they, they go out and they get some fig leaves. I couldn't find any on short notice, so I don't have one here for you today. But they sew some fig leaves together, and they're trying to cover themselves up. And obviously it doesn't work, because when God comes out and is looking for them, they go and hide behind some trees. So their fig leaves were insufficient to the task. We do the same thing. We make mistakes, and instead of going to God and being like, hey, screwed this up, we try to hide. We try to fix it ourselves, and we can't. And we realize we can't hide. And we see how God responds. We'll get more into that. And this sums up the series in a lot of ways. This idea of we're broken and we're beautiful. We are broken when we're running and we're hiding and we're rejecting God. And we are beautiful when we are present and engaged with him and we know him through Jesus and we're walking on his purposes and his mission. So we're going to explore some broken and beautiful from this passage. We're going to do this each week this month. And first, it's how are we broken? How are we broken? We are naked. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. And what do I mean by naked here? Because obviously before all this goes down, naked isn't a bad thing. They were naked, and it wasn't a big deal. Eden was a little bit of a nudist colony. But naked in the context of our brokenness is something different. Naked is when the trust of innocence is replaced by the fear of guilt. We are naked when that trust and that innocence that we have before God is replaced by fear and guilt and, and this, this knowledge that we have messed it all up. Have you ever been afraid and it made you do something stupid? Maybe you were a teenager and you wrecked the car and you tried to, you tried to hide it. You're like, man, if I could just park it this way, maybe dad won't see for a week. Or maybe you have kids or you have nieces and nephews or whatever. You've met a kid and you, the, kid, the kids are great at this because they eat the cookie and they lie about it. And then you're like, dude, there is crumbs all over your face. They're everywhere. You're fooling no one. That's how God feels when we were doing this stuff. He's like, dude, you got crumbs all over your face. You think your fears made you do something dumb, and now you're hiding. We're broken that way. We're broken in in that we're no longer innocent. We know... we do things and they, and they make us ashamed. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But I do want to talk a little bit about how this affects us as, as Christians. Or maybe you're not a Christian and you're just looking at different churches, and that's okay too. I want you to be a Christian, obviously. But maybe this could be a church, this could be a pastor, or this could be a person in your life. It doesn't have to be a church or, or, or a pastor, but... 
if there's a person in your life or, or an organization that's constantly trying to make you feel guilty and afraid, it's broken. Because this sort of attitude, this sort of, this sort of religion, this sort of thing where, hey, you have to be guilty, you have to be afraid of God, you have to be, that's not what we see in Scripture, what God has for us. Because this isn't what God does, and it isn't how God responds to them here in the garden. We see ultimately that God tells them, hey, you've done this. There is consequences for your actions. But all the same, I'm going to cover you. All the same, I'm going to put you out with a plan and a purpose. It's beautiful, but I'm getting ahead of myself. We're still unbroken. So we are naked, and how else are we broken? We are ashamed. We are ashamed because we realize that we're naked. He answered. So he's answering God here. We've already read this part, but read it again. He answered, I heard you in the garden. This is Adam talking. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He hears God. He's ashamed because he knows he's naked, so he hides behind a tree because his attempts to cover himself with the leaves of the figs didn't do it. And so ashamed, ashamed is when life in God's presence is replaced by choosing his absence out of fear. Because even Today, God is offering you through Jesus a life in his presence and his purpose and is empowered by his spirit. And many of us choose to step out of that because maybe we're afraid of God or we're ashamed of our past or, or whatever it is. When we're living life broken, when we're living life ashamed, it's because a life in God's presence is traded for his absence because we are afraid. We are intended for life in the presence and purposes of God. And this shame will rob you of what God has for you. It will rob you blind. in Christ if you are a person today in here who says I believe in Jesus I believe he's Lord and God I'm saved I'm born again I'm in I'm in his family if that's you you are empowered by God's spirit living inside you for Jesus's mission not empowered by God's spirit so that you can you know do imp look important in front of other people or not empowered by God's spirit so that you can you know claim all these things that you can do, but you're empowered for his mission. And you have calling, and you have purpose, and you have destiny. And I love, I love what God does here after this little passage. God looks at Adam and Eve and says, who told you that you were naked? Who told you you were naked? naked. And then we see the beauty of humanity and we see its brokenness. I, this is a great question to let God ask you today. Because often we put things on ourselves that God is not putting on us. 
and we think we're being spiritual when we do it. That's the tragedy, is somehow we think that we're more spiritual because we're putting this guilt and condemnation on ourselves. And God looks at us and says, who told you that you were naked? Who told you you weren't good enough? Who told you you were unlovable? Who told you you were unworthy? Who told you you were abandoned? Who told you you were naked when that's not what God tells them? They put it on themselves out of guilt and shame. They put that naked title on themselves. What God does is what God always does, and he covers them. God, in fact, makes clothing for them out of animal skins and gives it to them to put over themselves and gives them a plan and a purpose. And we see God through this. Remember, see just little pieces, because obviously we could go through the entire Bible a little bit of time, and I could show you how God does this over and over again throughout Scripture. But I only have four weeks, and you want to go to lunch. God does what God always does in our brokenness, and that's he brings us back to our beauty, and he makes a way for you to have a relationship with him. So how are we beautiful? This is more fun. How are we beautiful? We are beautiful because we are clothed and we are covered by God. In the context of the New Testament and our, our being Christians, I would even add to this, we are covered and clothed by God through Jesus. But here, back in Genesis, we see that the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Which brings us to our next kind of key word here, which is clothed. And I want you to get today, how are we beautiful? Because God did for them what they couldn't do themselves. They tried to make it out of fig leaves, they still felt naked. They still felt like the one guy at the pool in a Speedo that wasn't doing it. (laughs) But what God does is he makes them garments of skin and clothes them. And this is a direct reference. This is one of those things in Scripture that's a a, a moment that reflects on Jesus. And even things will happen a little bit later because God clothes them and covers them. Later on, God will give them a covenant and tell them, how, hey, this is what the sacrifices you need to do to have your sin forgiven. And then later on, it'll come to Jesus, and Jesus will do what we could never do for ourselves, which is on the cross, he takes all of our sin and shame on himself so that we can have eternal life. You know, the famous verse, John three sixteen, is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son which is that same sort of idea that God so loves us that he clothes and he covers us. He gives to do what we could never do ourselves. And this is so different than the brokenness of humanity because we're going to clearly see through this series that we are broken, but we are, we are beautiful. In every way that we're beautiful, it comes from Jesus. It comes from Jesus living inside of us and the fact that that God made us. And in fact, it comes from this second idea here today, which is we're beautiful because we are made in the image of God. We are made in the image 
of God. Like, how cool is that? I look like God. And maybe it's not that literal. But in some way, I'm in the image of God. You are in the image of God. And we see this back in the very, very first chapter of Genesis. God brings it up. He says, hey, so God created mankind in his own image. Not only does it say it once, it's going to say it again. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So I love that it's said twice. Hey, in God's image. And by the way, you're made in God's image. And by the way, it's not just the dudes. Ladies, you're made in God's image. It's ma- a special point of that is made, and it's so significant. That he's covering all the bases so nobody could be like, well, I'm made in the image of God, but you? That might be questionable. No, he's, it's, it's everybody. And I love that the gospel of Jesus, the gospel, the good news, that it saves us and it restores us so that we can shine with the image of God that is inside of us. Because our, our final key word today is we are made. Every person on earth is an image of Christ. Every person on earth is in the image of God. Every person. The people you hate are made in the image of God. You know, Tim hit this last week, uh, but I think we, we want to look at it from a little bit different perspective today. But we're all made in the image of God, and the gospel, when we believe it and we receive it, turns a key in us so that image of God can fully express itself because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit on Jesus' mission. And not only does it allow that image of God to fully express itself, but the gospel, being born again in Jesus, changes us so that we have eyes to see that image of God in the people around us. Because I want you to get this. If you see other people as lesser, as inferior, as that's the person I hate, as that's the group of people that I hate, then you're seeing them through broken eyes. You're not seeing them through gospel eyes because that person is made in the image of God. That's why, what, that's why Jesus even talks about this. What Jesus mentioned last week, or when, what Tim mentioned last week about Jesus, Jesus telling the story of, hey, when did you feed me? When did you clothe me? When was I in prison and you visited me? And Jesus says, whenever you did this to the least of these, you did it to me. Because the least of these, whoever they are, is an image bearer of God. Who has intrinsic value and worth because God made them. I want to challenge you today. Can we see our city through those eyes as a church? Can we see our city through those gospel glasses eyes where every person in it is in the image of God? And more than seeing through those eyes, can we let it change how we act? 
There's so many little ways we can do this, just in how we treat people. Unfortunately, there's a real tendency in our culture to treat people who are serving us as machines. Maybe that's a waiter, waitress. Maybe that's a clerk or a bagger, a retail employee. Those of us who have worked retail know that retail employees get treated like junk. How do we treat people? How do we tip people? How do we, how do we interact with someone who takes our seat on the bus or at church? We're not really bad about that. Some churches are. <laughs> how do we treat those people? How do we see through Jesus' eyes? And I want to tell you something a little cool today. I'm going to tell you about a little bit of a, dr of a dream that I had. And uh, who here remembers our Miracle Maker series was here for that? You got a free t-shirt, right? Oh, yeah. See? Oh. Here we go. I'll, I'll feature it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to need these. Our Miracle Maker series was something that really inspired me personally, not just because I, I, I did it, but... The idea that, hey, if you weren't there, the core idea of this series was the idea that we are the answer to someone's prayer individually, that Jesus has put us on earth, and that we are called to be the miracle that someone is praying for. And so this year, we're doing something I'm calling the Miracle Makers Project. So this is, this is something that's ongoing. I warned you about that when I preached the series. This isn't something that we want to just preach about and be done with it. But it's saying this whole year we're going to be going, how can we as a church be the answer to people's prayers in our community? And what does that look like? Well, last year taught me something, something really awesome, actually. You might not think so in a minute, but it taught me something awesome. And as we had so many things in our community, so many crises both in the church and outside of it, I saw a church that was willing to be above and beyond in generosity to help people in our town and in our community. And once your pastor knows that, he's going to ask you to do it again. <laughs> oh, no. Because... Maybe you remember the Miracle Maker's Creed. We're going to read it together again. If you could throw that on the screen for me, Chris. Let's read it together. It goes, I am the answer to someone's prayer, not because of who I am, but because I am in Christ and represent Christ. As a Christian, I am called to live life as a miracle maker, knowing the gospel changes lives. I am an encourager. My words of encouragement and prayer are a miracle to those who are hurting. Because everything I have is Jesus's, it is all available to be someone's miracle. Whew. And not because of what we can get, but because those people are made in the image of God. So we are going to use some money to serve them. And the Miracle Makers Project is us as a church, individual people committing to give above and beyond our regular giving. Because if you trade your regular giving for this, what you're really doing is really messing up my budget. <laughs> is that too honest? Okay. 
Um, but we're, we're saying, hey, how can we give above and beyond our regular giving and not in like crippling amounts? We really tried to make this so that everyone could do this if they really wanted to. To bless people, to serve people. And more than that, is this is something like, as we've been talking about it, a couple of us on staff, like, I want to bless people. I don't want to do charity work. But we want to find people, individual people, that we can celebrate and we can bless. And we can, they, they would not just get something, but that they would walk out of it saying, wow, that church really loves me. That church sees God in me. So here's what this looks like. Because if you want to be a part of this, and you do, it's going to cost you something. At all. One level of participation in the Miracle Makers Project is a tall. What that is, it's a dollar a week. You can find that scavenging change. So a tall, like, kind of like a tall car. Yeah, a tall is more than a buck, unfortunately. That's so sad. Uh, <laughs> it's really more of a Mr. Coffee. So you make your coffee yourself. It costs about a buck a week, right? Uh, but if you are do if you want to commit, say, I, Eric, Pastor Eric, this year I'm going to give a dollar a week. Then, as we find people to do this for, whatever it is, maybe it's a single mom who needs a car, maybe it's someone who needs a porch rebuilt or a, a some whatever it looks like. You get to be there when we walk up to this person, and be like, "Hey, we're doing this for you," and we're going to pray with them, and we're going to bless them, and we're going to celebrate them. And if you're willing to just give a little bit, you can be there for that. That's a tall. A grande, which actually had coffee in it before someone poured it out. <laughs> Meanie. Grande is four bucks a week. This level is where you get to, you get to, you get to participate in the projects. So you get an invite for whatever we're doing. If we're, again, we're buying a car for a single mom, well, we're going to detail that sucker and put in some nice seat covers and get a tape adapter, I don't know, whatever we're doing with it. This is like, I, I was joking with, with, I think it was Pastor Fran, that we're going to be like the really, really cheap extreme home makeover. <laughs> Where, you know, Oprah's like, oh, you get a new car. We're like, you get to use 1990 Buick. <laughs> Yay. But if you want to be a part of the projects themselves, then the, the people who are giving this, they're, they're the ones who get to do this. Because all of this is a privilege. This is something we, we get to do. We get to celebrate. We get to give. It's not something we have to do. And then the vente. That's a lot of coffee. A dollar a day. Seven dollars a week. You get to join me once a month. That's a privilege, too. No laughing. No laughing. You're on the lead team for the Miracle Maker Project. You join me once a month as we decide who we're going to bless and how we're going to do it. And that's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot. All of these are going to be fun, but that's going to be a lot of fun. And I feel like, I honestly feel like this is something God is challenging us to do. 
A friend of mine, we were talking, and you were talking about something that their church does that's a little bit like this, but they tend to do this for organizations, which is good. I, lo- I love what they're doing. In fact, that same thing is what actually paid, for, a long time ago, paid for this ADA bathroom for Element Church. And I remember telling him, like, you know, but in our church, you know, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a low-income community, and there's a lot of people who are really struggling, and I don't know if we, if, if we did that, that it would really do anything. And God, like, hit me in the tush. Ever have God kick you in the tush? Tush, that's the word I'm going to use. And God, uh, and, and God was, it just, I felt in my spirit, and I, you know I don't say this sort of thing very often, you didn't ask. And then I was looking at this year and how generous our church has been, and I realized that this, this is something that we can do. And we can make a difference. And we can show people who are in our community in the image of God that Element Church loves them. And we can live that value we have as a church of generosity that we believe that most of what God gives us is to give away. And by the way, there's still a lot of money in our budget we're giving away too. This is something that's going to be above and beyond what we always do every year. And I would challenge you today that if you see the image of God in the people of this community that you're going to want to be the answer to their prayers, and you're going to want to get to be a part of what we're doing through this. And maybe you're a guest here today, and you're like, well, that's a lot of talk about money. This isn't for you. You can if you want to. We're not going to stop you. But if you're a guest, we're just glad you're here. I hope you see in us that we're a church that believes in generosity. And yeah, we're talking about money, but we're talking about taking that money and taking it out there, not in here. And by the way, if you want to be a part of this, elementlife.com. What a coincidence. Um, there's a card on Element Life that's the Miracle Makers Project. And you can, you can either pledge there that, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And then you are responsible to give that every week or every month, however you want to do it. Or you could set up recurring giving and specifically select the Miracle Makers Fund, which is the best way to do it because then you can't forget. But I hope in your heart that this, that this right here really reflects the, the heart of this message that we are broken in some ways. But because of Jesus in us, we are, we're that beautiful, that image of God is able to stand up and shine in a dark world. Because for all of us today, the broken and the beautiful, the gospel is for all of us. The only question is, what does the gospel mean for you today? The gospel that Jesus, the Son of God, Christmas, we just celebrated it. He was born here on earth, God with us. But more than just being born with us, Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died for us on the cross. He was the ultimate sacrifice, going back to the very beginning in Genesis where God clothes us with animal skins to cover us. Well, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice who covers our sin because he took all of our punishment for us. Then Jesus proved he was God when he rose from the dead. That gospel today for each one of us can take us from broken to beautiful. So I challenge you today to experience grace. To let the gospel change your perspective and to cover you in new life.